Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Landscape Nerd Podcast. This podcast is all about the outside world, what we do in it, how we make it, what we grow in it, all of that. And that means it's really all about people and how we interact with landscape. Now, if you're not a landscape enthusiast or a hiker or a designer or whatever, that's totally fine. I guarantee you, you're going to learn something new today. And if you do, then I am as happy as can be because that's my goal. Every episode, I want you to learn something new because that is what being a landscape nerd is all about. My name is Macy Nelson, and I am the host and creator of this podcast, and I'm just really happy that you're here. Let's get started. Today's episode is kind of a big deal to me because we're interviewing an architect. And if you're wondering what's the big deal with that, well, it is a little complicated. In the world of built environment and design, we landscape architects and designers tend to share a lot of the same projects with architects and even share the same name of architect. But they build structures and buildings. So a lot of our history and work is connected, but they are two very different practices. And sometimes it's hard to understand one another, and it's good to find some common ground and gain new perspective. Like I said, you're bound to learn something new today. We are going to talk about art, plants, business, and practicing as a woman in the architectural space. We talk about nuance and collaboration, and we just we just talk about a lot. So come and nerd out with us. So I will let Ana Maria introduce herself, but... A little overview is that Ana Maria Torres is a renowned architect, designer, and she is based in New York. She has worked as an associate professor of architectural design at ETS Architecture in Madrid. She's led multiple design projects in places such as Spain, Dubai, and Japan, and was even a finalist in the World War II Memorial Competition for Washington, D.C. And she has established a firm, an award-winning firm called AT Architects over 20 years ago, and they're based in New York City as well. I really enjoyed my conversation with her, and I hope you do as well. So Ana Maria has worked with so many people, and she mentions them in our conversation, and I've listed them in the show notes of the website, www.thelandscapener.com, because there's a lot of people to keep track of, and I just want to make sure that you have it. Also, I've been playing around with a new software, So I have a full interview transcription for anyone who wants it or needs it. And you can find the names of those people in there as well. All right, let's get started and talk with Ana Maria. (laughs) Thank you so much, Masi. Uh, Well, my name is Ana Maria Torres and I am an architect is what I have been. And I um, and I love uh, to be an architect. I am originally from Spain and I have been practicing in, in New York for quite a while. And before um, before I create AT Architects with my firm, I was working actually with Diana Valmori, a landscape architecture firm, and I worked with her for eight years. And that was quite interesting um, how to see things from different perspectives. Uh, then uh, that was quite interesting. Then, yeah, I define myself as an architect because I believe that architecture embraces if you are open to it a lot of things and can allow it to develop investigated uh, different aspects of the city of the space of the life whatever you are interested right you you think 
architecture could be one thing, but for you to say actually it's many things is good for landscape architects to hear. <laughs> I think we are very, we're so similar, but we're so different as disciplines. So when you were working with Balmori and having that, what was that shift? Maybe, was there a moment that you thought, oh, these can work together really well? Or was that something you always thought? Well, actually, it was kind of interesting because uh, when I was in Spain before coming here, uh, I came to United States because I was writing, I got um, a special uh, Fulbright uh, to come to write about Isamonoguchi. And my PhD was on Isamonoguchi open spaces and gardens. <laughs> then, um, then I was kind of fascinated for me how he was so amazing and masterfully uh, work with a scale and how he connected his gardens, they were sculptures, they were no gardens for his point of view, and um, connected and put in a perfect scale with the architecture next to it without no making this monumental gesture, sometimes with very small kind of human scale and it's in a perfect harmony. Then I think I was kind of intrigued because I was really, and I am still in love with his work. And I think he was a pioneer. And he's, if you tell him that he create a garden, he will tell you, no, he create a sculpture. Mm. But if you see it, it was a garden or a plaza or in addition to his other regular sculptures, then I think that this kind of how working with Diana, it was a plus. It was like another layer added to, to what I was already curious about it. That's very cool. I feel like that was... I don't want to say lucky because obviously you cared about it and you were drawn to it, but I think it's really fortunate that you had these layered experiences of being able to be interested in something and then dive in a little bit deeper in your career, not separate, right? Like it was in your career. So yeah. then now that you have your own firm, can you tell us a little bit about your firm philosophy? Well, uh, I will try <laughs> to, do my, to do my best, to do my best. Well, I, for me, I think it's very important, this concept of layering, you know, um, then I understand, then I try to, what is kind of interesting and difficult, if you see my office, my office is full of plants and trees i saw pictures on your website that had like i was like oh my god well, you, you, you see you see here <laughs> it is real <laughs> it's a real plant it is a real plant <laughs> i think it's important and we're trying to really strongly uh communicate to our clients and more actually since what happened a couple of years ago how important the outdoor space has to be connected with the indoor space. How important is to have that possibility in a city like New York? Eh? Mm. Then no everybody eh, have a chance to have a penthouse or a roof terrace or anything of like that. If you can, when you do uh, even with a smaller apartment, if it's any possibility, then you create an outdoor space, then can be useful 
with a meaningful intention, I think then that is uh, very important. Then I think that is kind of the philosophy of trying to, if I love to have plants in my office, I really trying to encourage my clients not to have a tree in their house, but to understand and to have a, you know, a garden or, or a small possibility. For example, we managing one apartment here in, um, in Manhattan uh, facing the park where it was beautiful. We managed to put a small vertical herb garden in the living room. That's lovely. Because it was to demonstrate, we work with a farmer and he was to trying to show them then it will make the environment of the apartment cleaner. It will make the environment, the air, everything. And we have this mix of herbs to um, not just from aesthetic point of view, but it was really trying to make an statement then you can have something that is alive, um, then is not very high maintenance and can bring you not only beauty, but also can bring you health. Then I think in a very long way of explaining, I think that is kind of the philosophy. The philosophy is that we need to take care of our environment. We need to be mindful of what we do we need to be mindful of how we design other spaces because somebody else is going to live in it. And I think we forget sometimes how we are conditioned, how our emotions or our moods are conditioned by the space Then we are living on it. Then if you have enough light, if you have a little bit of outdoor space, you always will be more rich. I wanted to go back to something you said about when you have your client and you're trying to show them or teach them how important it is to incorporate green space and green living or green elements. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I think in the world of landscape architecture, we, when, you know, not every client has those values or even just understanding of why it's important to value green space. So I was just curious if you have some of those same experiences. Yeah, of course. And more in New York where real estate and everybody wants to maximize their, uh, you know, their living quarters because they can sell it more. It will be with, it will provide, it will have more profits. Um, But uh, sometimes uh, slowly, slowly, I think, you know, I think I will separate the client, the clients and we have some are private clients and then we have the developers clients. The private clients, of course, you are more constrained about their, uh, whether it's already an apartment and it's already set up or a building and it's already set up. Then it has more constraints. I have done a, a roof garden in Harlem um, 
because yes, they were passionate about it, but at the same time, I remember then we walk into I walk into the brownstone, and they were talking about yes, but you know the brownstones they only have light in the front and in the back and nothing on the side. Then it was like I look at the space and say, you know why, why we don't create the ball head of the stair completely glass, and then we do the stair kind of perforated metal, then the the light kind of go through, then you can go and enjoy the roof. Then it was kind of oh wow, fascinating. Then I then all of a sudden the roof became a part of the project. Then that then it was easier to say, well, now you have the roof to be entertained. Then that is kind of give them options, I will say. So options, then sometimes they didn't uh, thought about it. Like we are doing right now a building, a small building, a five-story building, again in Harlem, but it's a church. It's owned by a church. We were all very kind of enthusiastic. <laughs> we, want, we want to use the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were looking at me like, wow, the roof. I say, yes, imagine you can have weddings. You have your wedding in your sanctuary, and then you bring the party to the roof. And that can be also an income from for the church. And if your members and is your private space, then it gives you more options and more possibilities. And then I think sometimes it's if you present things um, and maybe a little bit unconventional and give options, sometimes they say yes, because they didn't thought about that option or they didn't feel then that option was possible uh, in that particular case. Yes, I think, um, you know, as designers, exactly. That's what they the client hopefully is coming to you for, not just because they need someone, but they've chosen you for your ideas. Where do you think that line is between a person presenting new ideas and then slightly business development, because like you just mentioned a whole new business plan for them that no, they never thought about before. And we do that all the time, but how much of that factors into the design process? And I know this is that's probably a little off topic from what we're going to talk about later, but it, I am just curious about it because that was a brilliant idea but you're not going to get any credit for that, you know, when they're getting, <laughs> when they get all of those like wedding venue requests, which is fine. That's why we do it. But it's also, it's a weird line. I feel like, you know, yeah, I, in that way, in that way, I, you know, the business gets a little bit out of the window, at least <laughs> on my end, you know, it's like a, you give the idea because you are a passionate about it and because really I want to use the roof. And yes, you're like, come on. They need to spend a little bit more of money because I need to plant something on the roof. Oh, and yeah, that's true. You're saying it pays for itself. When yeah, I'm and, I need, <laughs> and I need to bring the stairs up and I need to bring the elevator up. <laughs> I need to get a little bit more budget then, because I need to get a little bit more budget. Then, um, no, you know, sometimes uh, how works personally, I only can work from personally. Mm -hmm. I love what I do. And uh, because I love, oops, we lost the image. Because I love what about what I do, um, is is what is good for the project. Yeah, it's what is good for the client. 
then yeah, I will get the credit eventually because the project was well done and in the end everybody is happy and hopefully they are going to um, refer me to some place else. But I think for me, the really the importance is that I managed to make it happen. Okay, so then now, so if you worked on the roof, you get to try and make as much green space as possible. In your firm, do you have landscape architects or do you work with landscape architects often? We have been doing both. We have been, and sometimes we have, because in the firm, sometimes I have graphic designers, depends on what is happening. And, but also we collaborate. We collaborate not only with landscape architects, with all my respect to them, but sometimes I collaborate with farmers. Oh, yeah. You know, and I collaborate with a biologist and I collaborate with... Uh, you know, with other different traits, not just a, a landscape architect. For example, this green wall that I was telling uh, you about it was with a farmer. With a farmer, then she had an organic farmer and she loved plants and she was very holistic. And that is how she determined the planting we were putting, how was the layout, how was this, how was that. And, and that is how... Um, you know, that is how that project, for example, moved forward. Uh, she met the client, et cetera, et cetera. I have, we have another project. This is the reason I was in Europe. In, in France, then I work with a biologist for a garden in the north of uh, one hour from Paris. There is an existing garden and to how we can save the trees, how it needs to replant, what, you know, then... Um, it depends. I work with landscape architects, with clients, and they say we are very interested in working with this landscape architect. And, you know, you need to team up with him or with her. Then it's fine. It's actually you always learn more. You have more opinions. You have more uh, different ways of doing things, um, different ways of thinking. And you can maybe sometimes agree or not agree, but if the person that you are working with is sensitive enough and is um, and is creative enough, always will bring something interesting to the table. I also feel like landscape in particular, I think, lends itself to all of those different disciplines, right? Farming, biology, horticulture, of course, you know, but even to like music and poetry. And I think there's a lot of influences that can happen in the design world, you kind of don't know who you're getting. I think you can't just say, oh, a landscape architect can help with this project. Um, I think it goes deeper than that. Like you said, if someone's creative enough, then, you know, working with them, you're always learning something. But have you had bad experiences working with landscape architect? No, listen, <laughs> uh, you always have bad experiences, mm -hmm. for sure. Not only with landscape architect, oh, yeah, with, 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 contractor, with an architect, with an engineer. <laughs> Sometimes you have, and it's what it is. Um, <laughs> then, hey, you make the best of it, but yeah. <laughs> nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're like, it's okay. Going, it's going to happen. <laughs> right, you're like, contract is signed. I will just, we'll, we'll work together. <laughs> we will figure it out. If you let me figure it out, then we will figure it out. Yes, please don't do something terribly ugly. <laughs> but also, one of the things that is beautiful about your, uh, you know, we'll say your um, expertise or your history and the history 
working with the land and with the farmers and everything. It's tradition. The practice and the history the landscape has is quite very rich in itself. At the firm I work for, our principal, she is our history teacher from our master's program. And mm -hmm. so she was probably one of the first people that also helped me understand the tradition of working with land is landscape architecture, whether it be gathering under a tree, whether it be farming, whether it be, you know, a porch, you know, that the tradition of blending outside and people mm -hmm. is something that we've been doing for a long time. And I think what your firm is doing is a huge undertaking, if I'm being quite honest, but also I'm young in the field. I've only been working for a couple of years, so I don't know, but it seems like there's a big challenge with integrating all of that, you know, like beautiful, poetic, holistic approach. I asked about the clients, but what are some of the other challenges, you know, something that maybe you've experienced that was a deterrent? Like, what did you go through? And you said, nope, I'm still, this is still the way it needs to be. This is still the way we should practice. Well, sometimes not all the clients like what you say, and then they don't become your clients. You know what I mean? And sometimes uh, they look at you and say, but it's not what I am looking for. I am looking what my neighbor has. And then you, it's your decision. It's completely your decision if you want to say, I am not have the capacity to build what your neighbor has. Uh, and I'm sorry, and this is the idea that I have. I just have, for example, a client, and I did uh, a garden and a kind of a pool area with a cabana. And then she saw it and she wanted exactly that. This And then I say, listen, I'm not even going to give you a contract. I am going to give you an idea. And then if you like the idea, then we move forward. If you don't like the idea, then my idea was very, I thought it really worked with the world, with the, with, the, with the space, because she had a very interesting backyard with uh, actually with a little lake Then she was facing on the side, but kind of narrow that my approach was more like a creating moving the land creating a mount of uh, of earth creating a playground a little bit like Noguchi moving the earth opening up to the to the lake and but the, then didn't work it was not sexy enough you know what I mean then sometimes that happens but you need to only you can make the decision if many circumstances are in play. You know, you, everybody has obligations, everybody has things. And um, then, yes, uh, not everybody likes what you say. I, not everybody likes what I say. <laughs> not everybody thinks then is the right approach. Uh, is not maybe a profit-oriented sometimes mm -hmm. uh, to the maximum then they say no. What kind of advice do you think you'd have for designers, landscape or otherwise, and architectural about practicing with an interdisciplinary approach? What can they do to keep pushing forward? Well, I think, I think one of 
the most important thing is, of course, if you really are passionate about what you have. And I think one thing that is important, even though everybody has its ego, and you know, may, may, maybe the people that work for me, they will say, please, she only does what she wants to do. And she doesn't do anything else. What is possible, totally true. But um, I think sometimes you have the possibility to listen. And then you can say no. I say, no, it's not, I don't like it, or it shouldn't be this for this, for this, for that. Or have the possibility to give your, your ideas with a reason. Why you think then this is work? No, because you say so. And believe then the other person, if you are working in a team, the other person can improve. Uh, your design it, it sometimes can happen then a difficulty a kind of a difficulty makes impossible to build what you thought at the beginning and then that difficulty makes you to think more then your next approach is much better and more successful then um, I think it's kind of to be open to listen and you because you always have the opportunity to say no so at this point I started to share some of the experience I had had as a woman in the landscape architecture field and some of the condescending or offensive comments that were made that were very, you know, hurtful, but it also didn't seem uncommon due to the frequency <laughs> which they were happening. And I just simply asked her, about her experience and I asked if she'd ever experienced things like this. I'm wondering if you've ever encountered that and if you have, I'm sure you have, right? And I just want us to talk about it a little bit because, you know, a lot of the designers coming out are women, right? Like they're, they're identify as women and, and yeah, yeah, dealing. Um, for, unfortunately, you get it. Yeah. And every is is just sometimes it's very tiring. And um, yeah, you I, it's unfortunately, but you get it that you get it in a many different aspects. I have been getting it, and no, very, no, very, no, no, far away on time in the past. <laughs> recently, that you know, I have sometimes the office have. Sometimes I have a mix. Sometimes it's only women. Sometimes it's only men. Sometimes, you know, whatever. And I remember going to a job site, beginning of construction, and it was coming with the person that was working on that project. And, um, and then all of a sudden, somebody was asking, we were there, I was reviewing the drawings, da, 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 da. And then one of the contractors asked, well, who will give the okay? after this is done, then all the one turn around and say, he will do it. Then I turn around, I say, no, he works for me, I will do it. <laughs> then that is a constant, you know, I am the one that gets the sweethearts. Yeah. When yeah. I go to your yeah, site. Sweetie and honey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the honey and the sweetheart, like, what? My name, you know, and then I don't even at this point get angry. I just say, listen, happy then you call me Anna, Anna, Anna Maria, very happy, no have any problem. <laughs> Sweetheart, honey, is for my husband and my friends. I say, please call me Anna, Anna Maria, it's fine, no have any problem with that. Right. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, yeah, it's really unfortunate and you have it when 
still when you have meeting with a structural engineer with this and then they see and then this is a small firm and a woman they begin very condescendent oh yeah and uh, and yeah i don't think we have passed that yet yeah i agree eventually uh, things will maybe change but i think also sometimes society right now feels a little bit that we are going backwards and i think that is the mistake i think the mistake is that the, when when you are judging the people by their sex instead of by judging them by they are a human being then yeah. show me then you are a human being with capacity then you are a human being with capacity if you have the capacity i want to work with you if you don't have the capacity i don't want to work with you we just judging you are you are you have integrity do you have loyalty do you have uh, creativity that is how you will judge as mm -hmm. a human being yes and especially in the when we're designing for people right like that seems like the the logical step is to say we are people and we're more than designers but also the fact that we are designers gives us a way to contribute our life experiences back into the world in a built way. You know, we're able to incorporate our world into like someone else's everyday world. And that brings me to my one of my last questions, which is actually that since we are more than just our jobs, you know, <laughs> Thanks, God. Some, yeah, like so then what what other things in the world do you enjoy? Maybe it influences your perspective on design maybe it doesn't but i'd love to hear more about anna maria <laughs> <laughs> i love to travel and travel is one of the things then then i always inspire me to you know when i travel and i come back i always have these ideas uh traveling it gives me that sense of um possibilities then traveling discovering things kind of you know a bit like a child in front of a candy store oh i want to try that Ooh, i want to try that <laughs> yes. Ooh, let me try that <laughs> then um i think travel is one of the most most important thing and the other thing is seeing the creativity in others, the amazing um, drive, like a person like uh, Noguchi or Martha Graham, or they have, and nobody couldn't stop them. <laughs> nobody could, um, you know, even they were breaking barriers. They have different races. They have different point of view. Nobody could tell them then they couldn't do what they were doing and um and i think that is that fascinates me that that determination of an and a need to do what you have to do and nobody can stop you i think that is i think that fascinates me and i love that <laughs> i love that too because i think one of my favorite I don't know if there's an emotion for it. One of my favorite emotions is feeling in awe of someone else, whether it be their work or maybe just their personhood. I love that feeling of just looking at someone and saying, you're amazing. You're so cool. And wow, I'm so lucky to be able to 
see that and experience that, you know, and travel, travel does that for me, especially for small scale things like someone's home, someone's garden, some artisan, you know, they're doing something that I've never seen before. And it's only in this one spot. And I may never see that again. (laughs) So you're like, I gotta enjoy it. Yeah, totally. No, I think it's very important. And also not only that, um, uh, it's so much uh, like, for example, a person like, uh, you know, James Turrell, for example, and yeah, he's very big. But when you have the opportunity to talk with him and kind of begin to see, it's so many things to learn. You know, so many things to learn. It's like, wow, wow. He has that. That is the way he's thinking. Wow. <laughs> I will never thought about that in that way. You know, I remember I, um, and I don't want to try to be long, but I, we did, uh, a, I organized a conference in, in the, you know, all these uh, fairs, our fairs, and they have one in Madrid every year or a couple of years, Arco. And I invite actually a mix of people. I have an architect. I have a client. I have an artist with Maria Tizzo. I have um, a sculpture. Then in, it was two round tables of four people, and each one was different disciplines mm. in talking about... Um, talking about basically kind of everything and nothing, but everything together. And it was so interesting because Maria Tizzo was was showing her point of view. And she works a lot on the, more at the beginning of her work, a lot of kind of investigating and reviewing the slums of the cities, like I will say the barrios in mm-hmm. Brazil, the, the shanty towns in Johannesburg, all of that and how it was constructed. Then, yeah, it was poverty, but then she was showing and how she was showing it was, wow, and it's beautiful. And, and she was like, look at, it's beautiful. And in her round table, it was sitting the, the Spanish architect, Carmen Pinos. I don't know if you heard of her. She was furious. She was very furious. <laughs> but this is poverty. People is suffering. And Maritisa was looking at her. And you need to see two women. One very Latino, dark hair, you know, with the gestures of the Spaniards. And Marietisa from Slovenia, very small, totally blonde, blue eyes, totally like it. And, and Marietisa with no, no point of emotion saying, but I see it as a beautiful thing because I see then they are resourceful. Then they go and convert it and make them their own by painting it in pink. And Carmen was like, because you think then you paint in pink, then do you think it's beautiful? The poor property, the poverty doesn't disappear because it's pink. You know what I mean? Then it was interesting to see how the same thing, from one, it was a sense of inspiration and beautiful beauty because it was a sense of inspiration and she had a completely a logic to why without no minimizing the hardship from a society point of view or the hardship of the people. She was not trying to no make fun or no um, minimize how hard it was for the people to live on it. 
uh, but from a point of view of aesthetics, a point of view of new way of living, a point of view of new ways of creation, she had her logic. And for Carmen was like, a, this is unbearable. You cannot have people living under these conditions, you know? Yes. Then, yeah, I think that is kind of, that I think is the most important part of the, yeah. of the interaction between people. The, yeah, the different the exposures and different perspectives are critical, even if they make you angry. I think it's so important. <laughs> well, they, they, after you go to have a drink of wine and wine. <laughs> um, okay, so then I have two more questions and you can answer them together or not. Um, one is what is something within the industry, whether it be design, architecture, landscape, whatever, are you excited about, whether it's a project or, or an idea? And then what's something not in the industry at all, something else that's just on Maria interest level, what is something you're excited about? Okay, well, I don't know if it's in the industry or not, but I am interested, I have been interested for some time in writing children's books. <sighs> Yes, I love that. I love that. <laughs> but, about, but about uh, artists, not about architect, but about artists. Um, then I am curious, even though I am taking a class, <laughs> just to motivate myself. <laughs> I love it. Then. <laughs> Yeah, I think I am beginning my class. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I think I am beginning my class in a couple of weeks. Or something. You'll do it. You'll figure it out. You'll leave the time. I... Oh, my God. Really? I want to do this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I cannot wait. You have to tell me. You have to tell me how it goes. Update me. Yeah, I have been trying to, you know, I am, I am imagining this children's book, then it has a pop-up in the center, yeah. and a sculpture is going to show up or whatever. Or Amazing. In yeah. the center, and it will be fascinating for the kids. <laughs> Nobody now reads books, but they like books. <laughs> then, then I think that is... Um, and then the only thing is kind of related. And then I am excited because I am beginning to more and more and more collaborating with, with other things, with other people in different parts of the world. Then it kind of, I like that. I, we are right now collaborating. We have, been, we have been collaborating with a foundation in Dubai doing carpets now we are collaborating with another architecture firm and design in portugal then um we are beginning to collaborate with another client of us in france then is this idea of if, to trying to find connections then you can begin with maybe something small maybe it's nothing major but uh, it kind of interests that I think at this point I want to interact with people. Yes. Yeah. I feel like especially after the past couple of years, it's been I crave people and I love that we're more globally connected than ever before. And it's an opportunity for us. And I, I think we would be upset with ourselves later down the line if we didn't try to work with as many people and as many disciplines as we could, uh, you know, from around the world. Maybe yeah. you tra we travel together. Yeah, let's do it. I am so, I need to update my passport. That's the only thing I have to do. Um, 
good to go. Yeah, so we can find a project and do something. Hey, we can organize this and this, and then we will go to some place. Yes, yes. have am... an idea, share it, and we will figure out how to make it happen. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, thank <laughs> you. Thank um, you, Masi. It was very nice meeting you and talking with you. Nice talking with you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Ana Maria. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. If you want to learn more about Ana Maria, you can check out her website for her firm at atarchitectsny.com. And it's it's just it's cool. I, I love the work that they do and I hope to see more of it and yeah, have more of these kind of conversations. Let me know what you thought of the episode and some of the things that were said. And I hope we can have a really good conversation about it. You can find me at the landscape nerd on Instagram, or you can send me an email at the landscape nerd at Gmail. And of course, the website, thelandscapenerd.com. You can contact me there as well. I can't wait to hear what you thought. And I hope that you learned something fun and you share it with some friends. And I look forward to nerding out with you soon.